Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. This month marks the one-year anniversary of the 7.8 magnitude earthquake that devastated the capital in Nepal. 8,000 dead, 23,000 injured and homeless. Joining us for a special anniversary edition of the podcast, we have Barry LaForgia, founder of International Relief Teams, to describe the immediate efforts taken from global relief teams to administer aid and to talk about where Nepal is today. Barry, what did disaster relief efforts look like in Nepal mere days after we found out of this devastating quake? Well, our our first response in Nepal was to get three large shipments of medicines um, into Nepal as quickly as possible. One of our frontline partners, uh, International Medical Corps, was on the site within, within days of the disaster, and they asked us to supply them with an immediate shipment of medicines that we ordered out of the Netherlands. We directly purchased it because we didn't have time to to gather in-kind donations. We needed to get the shipment there. So we contacted a supplier in the Netherlands who we've worked with before. They, they, they have what they call an emergency medical kit. Now, a kit sounds small, but this is a major series of like 24 boxes, large boxes of medicines. It's enough to sustain uh, 10,000 people for three months. We ordered two of them. Sustained 10,000 people, people for, th- for th- three months. Wow. Th- you're right. Kit is not an accurate no, word. They call them kits, and I don't know why they do it, because it's really a major, major shipment of medicines and supplies for an emergency situation. So we immediately got two kits airlifted into into uh, Nepal. And this is where you work with partners. We we purchased the kit. Another partner handled the uh, transportation costs of, of the of the air shipment from the Netherlands into Nepal, and uh, and then a third partner took possession of the kit and used it on with their medical teams. And that's what that's what the partnerships are so important, so that you can spring into action quickly and not have to do it yourself or duplicate the efforts of somebody else. Now. Let's break down these kits. What type of materials are you going to find in this? You're going to find medicines, sutures, bandages, uh, syringes, um, all the things you need for emergency medicine use. And so that's, that's what these kits are. That's generally what's in each kit. Now, when you had these kits airlifted and they landed in Nepal, what was the landscape like that they were arriving in? Well, because I wasn't there at the time, I would Im- I, I know that there's only a single runway in Kathmandu, and so there was there were some issues in getting in supplies. We were lucky that we got in there pretty quickly, and then the backup started as the as the days went on. So our kits got in there fast, and um, with our third shipment, which came. F- out of the U.S., which was an in-kind shipment. It was a follow-up shipment that we started because we got our major stuff in right away, and then we were bringing in medicines for um, basically for the intermediate stage. Um, that took a while to get in because of the backup at the airport. 
Now, when you say it got there fast, can you tell us what type of time frame that this arrived on the ground following the earthquake? It arrived within seven days. Which seven is, days. Yeah, seven days. Oh. I think it arrived. I think I think it arrived actually in six days. I think it was six days our, our first kid arrived. Yeah. How essential is that for immediate recovery? During the acute stage, because, you know, as you know, there's only a, you know, people can survive um, only so long if they're, if they're caught underneath rubble. Now we're not a search and rescue team. So the search and rescue teams were in there searching for survivors underneath the rubble. Our medical teams through our partners would be the ones who would receive injured people that were pulled out of the rubble and would provide them medical assistance. And so during the, during the, during the acute stage, you're, you're just trying to save as many lives as possible. So having those medicines there and having those supplies, the medical supplies, the, the emergency medicine type of supplies uh, there are, are essential for survival. Fast forward to the anniversary this year. What does the impacted area outside of Kathmandu look like? Yeah, Kathmandu is the capital. Now, we were not working. We were working in some of the some of the uh, provinces that were that were affected by there was two major earthquakes um, and we were working in uh, Do, uh, Doklaka, which is one of the larger pro provinces that was really impacted. That's where we did the intermediate work of providing 3000 families with the shelter and hygiene kits that we brought in from India through our partners. We we financed the purchase in India and we got them across the border and worked with another partner who was involved with the intermediate stage, another international organization. Cool. And then, but now one year later, what we're doing with that partner that we worked with in the intermediate stage, Concern Worldwide, a great organization out of Ireland, we are rebuilding classrooms at 47 damaged schools. We have, we're in the process of rebuilding 392 classrooms. Now, we are not using our own volunteers to do that. Generally in disasters in foreign countries, especially poor foreign countries, it's more wise to help stimulate the economy by hiring local labor. And it's also more efficient because the cost of getting American volunteers into Nepal, sustaining them over time is a lot more costly and less developmentally sound than hiring local volunteers for cash. A lot of people that are unemployed, especially after a disaster, hire them to help rebuild these buildings. And so what we're doing then is financing the rebuilding through the hiring of local volunteers. And we're working with two organizations, Concern Worldwide and, uh, and uh, Rural Reconstruction Nepal. And uh, those are that's a local uh, Nepalese organization. And they're the ones that we are working through to help uh, get these kids back into school, get them in a safe environment so they can continue their education. So powerful. Now, as we are one year past, in our main episode, which airs on Wednesday, we're going to walk through all three areas of disaster relief, which are your survival, sustaining the life of the survivors, and then the longest phase, rebuilding. But my question right now, how long do you think you guys are going to be helping the rebuilding efforts in Nepal? There was a school in one of the eastern provinces um, that um, 
was a boarding school. It was a so it was very important f uh, for education of the children in these remote areas to come into this boarding school. It was just completed six months before the earthquake, uh. and, and so it it came down. And that's going to be our next project: is to finance the reconstruction of this boarding school. That that will affect many of the of the of the districts in the eastern part of the country where these kids come from so that this boarding school can 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 be rebuilt and these kids can continue their education. You have focused a lot of the efforts of the recovery on schools. Why are schools so pivotal to rebuild? In many poor countries, education is the key out of poverty and it is it is it is we feel it's one of the most important essential elements for people um, coming out of poverty and and having a future that is going to be better than their parents. And so we look upon education as a key ingredient. Any kind of uh, of, of, of advancement of, of, a, of a population or of a community. What's on the horizon for the next couple of years as Nepal goes through this recovery? For us, we will probably finish our relief efforts once we rebuild that school because that's going to take probably the bulk of our remaining funds. Every organization struggles with, is limited by the funds that they bring in. Um, mm -hmm. And we go as far in a disaster as we can with the funds that we have raised. Sometimes we can only make it to the intermediate phase. Sometimes we can't even get to the recovery phase if if we don't get the support we need to to go in to the recovery phase. Fortunately, we have been able in most disasters to stay in all three phases and to go into all three phases. Uh, and so if we don't get any more additional funds from for Nepal, then we will probably be using up all our funds with the rebuilding of this boarding school. Knowing that funds are definitely limited and such a key factor, looking back on the year and a half, what is the greatest accomplishment that your guys' disaster relief teams were able to accomplish on the ground in Nepal? Well, I think, you know, it's hard to judge how many lives we saved by getting those initial shipments in. Um, I, I know that thousands of people were treated. Um, I know that lives were saved. I know that 3,000 families through our direct efforts, their lives were sustained during the intermediate phase. And now in the recovery phase, rebuilding 392 classrooms at those 47 schools and then rebuilding this boarding school, which is going to allow a whole group of rural uh, Nepalese children who could not continue their education unless the school was built. Who knows what that's going to do in the future for them as they as they grow up and what kind of lives they're going to have. But I think it's going to be a positive, uh, uh, an incredible life-changing situation for them if they can get a, a good education and be able to advance in this world. How many of this? And, and, and it's, it's hard sometimes. The numbers don't tell the story. The, I, think, I think what a lot of times is is, is that these people's lives are being transformed, especially in the recovery phase, to, to get beyond where their parents were and to have successful lives. 
Well, the efforts of International Relief Team are so incredible, both in Nepal, mere days after a devastating disaster, and then helping with relief around the world. I invite our listeners to join us on Wednesday as we dig into the real impact and touch on some of the stories highlighting the power of the work that International Relief Team does every single day. If you're catching us after the anniversary, that's positiveimpactpodcast.com slash IRT. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.